enough to pay the iron price. Yeah, enough to pay the iron price. I'll, I'll never respect you while he lives. Watch it all come around as I lay on the ground. Chopper's thirsty, ill and pain down. They all think I'm lost, but I know where I'm found. I'm the blood in the north when it all comes down. My word is my bond, and my bond is my word. Follow the Harris, all men must serve. See as the raven flies, and time slips by. Follow my rulers, all men must die. Hello and welcome again to the Game of Thrones podcast by Bald Move. I am your host, Aaron. The god of wine. I'm Jim, the god of tits. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I thought that I would get that for a full week. You're claiming no, it in, no, no. In, in well, this is form, a, huh? this is a new week, man. This is the premiere week. Oh, so you hold that Sunday does begin the week? Yes, as we All discussed right, last time. That's, Sunday that's does heretical. begin the week. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about the uh, this is the instant cast uh, where we just talk for fifteen twenty minutes about our initial impressions uh, and kind of get our head screwed on straight. And kind of get the discussion started for our full cast that comes out on Tuesday evening. Uh, this, of course, is the instant cast for the season premiere of season four of Game of Thrones, titled Two Swords. Uh, what did you think as a season opener? Of the episode itself? I thought it was really good. Uh, I enjoyed some serious ass-kicking from Arya and uh, the Hound. That was freaking awesome. So, so badass. Yeah, super badass. I really like the stuff between Sansa and Tyrion. I think that's one of the more interesting developments of last season is, you know, her kind of depression over the death of her mother and her brother. That's, yeah. that's starting to get good. And how Tyrion is just in an impossible position here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really is. A wedding she didn't want, and now her brother and mother are dead. Uh, not so awesome for the Lannisters. And it's... I was watching the um, HBO on HBO2 for some reason, not HBO Prime. Well, I guess guess they've got other content to put on there, but HBO2 has been doing a marathon this whole weekend, and I sat in and watched the last couple hours of it. And Uh I, you know, Sansa and Tyrion seem to be getting along fairly well towards the end of last season. And uh-huh. then the Red Wedding happened, and all that got shit canned down the toilet. So it's kind of tragic. <laughs> Don't think they had a lot of hope there anyway, but um, any other thoughts before I start probing you for some things that I'm a little concerned some casual fans might might not have gotten? Yeah, I have a question. Who are the cannibals? Have we seen them before? And if not, what what's a little bit of background on them? Nope, they're, um, so you know the Wildings are Uh a loose confederation of several different peoples that live up north of the Wall. You know, you've got even giants among them. Uh, The Thins are a particularly fierce tribe of them um, that a lot of the other Wildings don't particularly care for. Uh, Of course, Uh you know, a lot of Wildings don't care for each other. Again, it's a loose confederation, Um, but you kind of get an idea... Of uh, what they're all about, uh, eating roast crow. But no, yeah. you don't. You, 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 this is the first time we've actually met them. They might have mentioned it some in season two and three, but I don't. I don't think we've ever seen them on camera. Okay, are we meant to know which crow arm that is? I don't think so. It's random crow. I'm not even sure if it's a crow because they made mention of you know sacking a village uh, down south of the wall, so that might have just been hyperbole. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you did you get the whole part about the what sword they melted down 
to make the two new swords for the Lannisters? No, I didn't. Yeah, I was worried about that because the intro was doing a lot of heavy lifting this time. Um, you know, the like previously seen on, it was trying to stitch together just brief scenes from the whole last three seasons. And yeah. the last few scenes were of Ned using his great sword to execute the deserter. Uh, and then, uh, they showed him being executed with it at the end, kind of an insult. And this is one of the, the latest Lannister insults to the Stark is, uh, Tywin had Ned's ancestral great blade, great, great sword made of Valerian steel melted down so he could make two weapons for his own house. Okay. I wasn't sure because he said that this was the second Valerian steel sword. Uh, I wasn't sure. It, it was Ned's sword that big that he could make two out of it. Yeah, it was like as tall as he was, and then it, it was like a uh, this the as wide as a man's hand. Jeez, so that's why okay. Tywin said it was absurdly large, but it was like you know uh, uh, a scaled up you know north north style claymore, um, basically. Yeah, and uh, but that, that's again, there's a reason why I had a hard time going into feast because it just seemed like they just were kicking the Starks in the balls. Over and over and over uh-huh. again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, they are definitely down and pretty much out at this point, except I think maybe for Arya. Uh huh. Who did a lot of ass kicking this episode. Let me ask you a couple other things that might have gotten missed by, again, the uh, casual, casual uh, watcher. Did you realize when Jon Snow was kind of on trial for joining the mm-hmm. Wildings and making his way back to Knights, did you understand who all the players on the stage were at least the two primary antagonists. Uh, so the dope on the left, or I guess stage right. No, I I didn't know who he was. So there's two guys. The one guy that uh, claimed he was the commander of the Night's Watch or the City Watch. Uh-huh. Uh, that's Jano Slint, and he's the guy that betrayed Ned Stark, and then Tyrion sent him to the Wall in the beginning of season two. Huh. Okay. Uh. He's basically said, you know, you took orders from a boy king to kill this guy. This has started a war. You're a fucking idiot. I'm sending you to the wall. Yeah, he seemed like an idiot. Yeah. He, he's finally made his way to the wall, uh, and he's clearly causing trouble up here. The other guy is uh, Alistair Thorne, who was okay. the uh, master of arms at the Night's Watch. Uh, he's the mm-hmm. guy that was the one hating on Jon Snow all the time in season one. Oh, sure. As no, I totally remember him. Okay, okay, I was wondering. Then, of course, everybody knows uh, Maester Aemon, who is the old Targaryen. Um, yeah. He's the one that kind he's... of spoke, st- stuck up for John. Yeah, he's not actually in command in that scene, but he takes control. Yeah, he's uh, didn't really give a shit about Thorne and him being in, in command. <laughs> I was going to say, what kind of impression did Prince Oberyn make on you from Dorne? So, okay, before I answer that, I have a question for you. When he goes out and he stabs one of the Lannisters in the hand, one of the Lannisters who I don't recall seeing, is that someone I should have remembered? No, he's just some prick Lannister guardsman, which is probably, uh, okay. uh, that's probably, um, you know, a necessary addition if I say prick Lannister. <laughs> yeah, redundant. <laughs> yeah, it's a redundant term. Um, but yeah, he was, he, he was just starting shit. One thing I felt really is missing. <laughs> Is uh-huh. especially for parts where like the Starks kiss at, kick ass, which is few and far between. Is I feel like the Starks need a really badass theme song. 
You know, it's like they they always play the Reigns of Castamere every fucking time the Lannisters <laughs> fart at the end of episodes. But, you know, there was a pretty triumphant Stark scene there with Arya killing Polliver with Needle. Uh, something that paid off, you know, something that's we've waited two seasons to pay off and nothing. Just regular old Game of Thrones theme. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that is the Stark theme and I'm just slow. <laughs> it, maybe it is, yeah. I mean, anyway, kind of started off as the people we were rooting for, right? And still are, I think, in a lot of ways. It just gets harder and harder every season as they dwindle in number to keep rooting well, for them. It's like we asked, you know, like, who are we rooting for if not for the Starks? I mean, I guess Danny. She seems to be. Uh, yeah. Before we go to Danny, though. Okay. Uh, let's keep it on Oberon. Uh, what did you think of Prince Oberon? He, he is very intimidating, certainly. I don't know that I've seen enough of him yet to form an opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I've heard a little bit about what kind of character he's supposed to be, but I don't want to necessarily bring that into my commentary right now uh, until I see it on screen. So right now for me, he's someone who's intimidating and maybe just a little bit uh, wild, I guess. Yes. They're, the he's the Dornishmen are kind of have, have a reputation for being more hot-headed. Okay, although- yeah. You know, that says, that's saying a lot in Westeros because, uh, you know, it doesn't take much for a bar scene to turn bloody, uh, oh, and yeah. for people's guts to be underground. But, uh, they're, they're considered exceptionally hot blooded. They're kind of like the, I, I don't know, this, if this is either racial or racist or stereotype, but they're kind of like, uh, got the reputation of like a, Sp- of Spaniards. Okay. Or, or the, the, a lot of the southern Mediterranean folk, uh, have yeah, a quick temper. Uh, as well when, like, right after he stabs a guy in the hand and they rush out of the room, his queen, I guess? I mean, I don't I don't know where he fits into the power structure in the Dornish civilization, or the Dornish kingdom, but it, it seems like she rushes in and starts making out with him like that really got her hot, you know? Yep. So that was, that was definitely an indication of what kind of people they are. And shows that they have, like, this... You know, open relationship is selling it short. It's like in a wide open, uh, barely there type, uh, <laughs> at least as far as, uh, sexual propriety and, uh, sure. sexual faithfulness, barely there relationship, <clears throat> uh, established nicely in one of, uh, Littlefinger's uh, brothels there. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. I, have you been, so ha- you said you've, uh, heard a little bit about his character. Have you been reading spoilers, Jim? No, I have not. You told me a couple of things about his character that I don't want to necessarily reveal to the audience. Oh, okay. Okay. Did I say that on the preview cast? Because it might be might be a little oh, too late to close the door on that. Yeah, All right. you might have. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, let's move on and talk about somebody we can talk about. Uh, we mentioned on the preview cast that uh, the character of Dario Naharis, which is uh, the sellsword <laughs> lieutenant that has fallen into Danny, has been recast. Oh, completely uh, recast. What did you think of him? I, uh, man, I heard his name and I was like, oh, that's the recast. And I was like, eh. I, I maybe like the actor a little bit better as far as how he portrayed that character and his, his smoothness, I guess. Because uh, the old guy was a, a little bit creepy to me, huh. but I I was definitely slightly confused every time I looked at the actor and said, okay, I need to contextualize this with what I saw from last season. It, it was hard to reconcile those two, those two different actors as it's, the same character. 
uh, it's kind of hilarious because you go from it's very jarring. I was watching, you know, see, uh, episode three ten, and uh-huh. Dario's face is one of the last damn things we saw, <laughs> and his kind of like weird buck tooth, you know, Euro trash kind of looking dude, and then long this, blonde braided hair, yeah. And then now this guy's got like you know not quite shoulder length, I guess jaw length, dark hair, and he's very you know uh, it. Mm-hmm. I think he's more conventionally handsome, but I find yeah. him just just in the first episode, I find him to be a lot more boring and less magnetic than the other guy. Oh, really? Okay. I'm not a lady. I, I can't judge <laughs> him on you know kind of that, but I, I feel like. Dario is this larger than life character. You know, he's gambling with the men and he's doing all these crazy things to try to win Danny's favor. And this guy just is a little, I'm worried that he's a little bland, but it's a little bit early to be worrying, I think. Yeah. Well, the trouble also there is the last actor kind of did all the heavy weight pulling. So he was able to gamble and take all these risks and do all these like fancy gestures. Whereas this guy has already done that in a previous re- uh, previous incarnation of his character. Sure. So he doesn't get the opportunity to do all those really cool things, right? Right. So maybe if they have him do some cool things in the future, we will take a liking to him a little bit more. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I don't know that uh, Dario left much of a impression on me the first time we saw him um, yeah. in the series, too. Although I think the first time we saw him, he also chopped off his captain's heads and brought him to him. So maybe maybe he did leave a little bit more of an impression. <laughs> he did, um, and he one thinks of the... that, like, 40 guards are a few. So not right, that right. either. Uh, one other thing I'm kind of worried that fans might have missed. Did you get the whole thing with Sir Dantos uh, coming up to uh, Sansa at the end? Did you make – because, they again, this is a part of the heavy lifting from the trailer – uh, or the the huh. season the the episode opener, but the drunk guy that came up and gave her the necklace. Oh yeah, no, I totally called that he was the fool that she saved. Okay, good because that um, I'm wagering that very few people would have gotten that if not for the pretty remarkable uh, two minute uh, you know last three seasons on Game of Thrones that they cobbled together because uh-huh. uh, we haven't seen him since the opener of season two. Yeah, I just did a rewatch, so I've seen him within the last week. <laughs> right on, right on. So okay, so yeah, he was the the fool that was at the King's Day, uh, King's mm-hmm. Birthday tournament, and he showed up to the list drunk. And Joffrey was going to basically kill him by drowning him in wine. And Sansa yeah. reminded him that it's bad luck to kill someone on your birthday, and made him a fool instead. So, um, what do you think of him coming back after two seasons? Um. It depends on where they go with that, right? I mean, right now it's pretty innocuous. It's just him coming back to, I guess, thank Sansa for saving his life, making him the mm-hmm. fool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this point, I don't think much of it, but I'm sure that's going somewhere. They don't ever do anything in Game of Thrones that isn't leading to something interesting. Yeah, I thought it was super in- effective and interesting the way they segued from Jamie and Brienne talking about Sansa's safety at King's Landing to this almost, you know, Sam Raimi style slasher flick filming of her being stalked through uh, the mm. King's Landing's meager godswood. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool because it's like, oh shit, maybe she's going to be assassinated right here. Yeah, speaking of Jamie, I was super happy to see that golden hand. I was 
really hoping he would get a golden hand. <laughs> well, it's uh, pretty easy to entertain Jim here. Um, yeah, he did, it, he did. it's oddly That's... specific, but I really wanted that to happen. Well, I mean, it makes sense, right? He's a Lannister. Sure, sure. Um, and that's something that's straight out of the book. Uh, I quite enjoyed him. He's the only Lannister child. Excuse me. He's the only Lannister child that has straight up defied his father to his face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he earned that little swagger as he walked out of the, uh, uh, out of his, <laughs> the hands audience chamber. What did you make of his uh, little showdown with his son, Joffrey? Um, I, I don't know. Not, it seems like Joffrey, Joffrey thinks that he's in control of everything, but we actually know that Tywin is, and Jamie standing up to Tywin before that seems like he's willing to stand up to Joffrey as well, so, I don't, unless he has his other hand cut off, I don't, <laughs> I don't think Jamie views <laughs> Joffrey as much of a threat. It's interesting, because um, he knows that Joffrey is his son. Joffrey doesn't know that he's his father, and I thought that was an int- very well played. Um, yeah. That kind of undercurrent. Um sure. And I also just think it's fascinating how Joffrey's got this little cult of personality going. It's almost Stalin-esque, where he's just rewriting history. Um in his in the way he wants it to be, and I, I do you think he believes this bullshit? What what bullshit the, the, specifically? The the fact that he saved King's Landing, he repelled Stannis <laughs> at the Battle of the Blackwater, he's yeah. feeding the people. I mean, I, I I can't I don't know how far his delusion goes, which I think is what makes him kind of fascinating. Does he know deep down that he's a yeah. bullshitter? He's got to um, right. I mean, what we saw at the end of season three, um. Or all throughout season three, really, was him kind of trying to get over the fact that he didn't have any part in that, right? That he cowered, at, he cowered his way out of that and let his mother call him back to the to the keep. Right. Uh, I feel like a lot of season three was him getting over that fact, trying to live right. that down. So at this point, I feel like he still knows it, but maybe he he's just gonna pretend like. He did all the work, and then people are obviously going to fall into line. And I don't know that that's the role that Jamie is going to take. Well, it's interesting because the other uh, Sir Marin Trant, I believe, uh, was the other Kingsguard, and it seems like all of his inner circle that's not Tywin is all too ready to just carry oh, yeah. his water for him. You know, they're sure. not going to say anything different. So, uh, all in all, I thought it was a very satisfying. Um, very satisfying season premiere. Uh, had a lot of uh, action moments, a lot of character moments. It ended on a really kind of crowning moment of badass for uh, Arya and the Hound. Yeah. And the last scene where they pan up and they did a show how devastated the countryside is by mm-hmm. these Lannister guys going around and just sacking towns and, and you know, ringing every little village and croft for all the gold and crops and everything. And you just think about it, it did a really good job of showing how bad the small folk must be suffering, especially when you keep in mind, this is, you know, pre this is autumn right before winter <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and what the hell these people are going to do when uh, the Starks 
family words finally come true and winter comes. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you got to say? Yeah, one more thing. Holy shit, dragons. Oh my god, those dragons are getting huge. Yeah, and unruly, too. <laughs> They're fighting. Yeah, in midair. Um, well, I mean, the, the the big one, Drogon, snapped at Danny, which took me mm-hmm. aback. I'm like, how the hell are you going to control these in battle or ride them if you can't, like, break up a scrap between the two of them? Interesting, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't... Um, I, I you know I don't have a good handle on how these dragons work honestly, um, okay. like you know Jorah says they can't be tamed. Do they just do dragons just like to fuck shit up? And so if a human wants to ride them and steer them in the direction of fucking up the most shit, they kind of go along with it. Or is he kind of <laughs> overselling how untamable they are? Is Danny doing a bad job of raising them? There's so many yeah. questions in my mind. Interesting. Is she a, is she a shitty dragon mother? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. I don't know. Uh, the other thing, what what is up with her following the trail of corpses to to wherever she's going? So I don't know if you noticed um, on the map. There's two new locations: the Dread Fort, which we kind of are interested in, and or we've we've seen last season anyway. And um, Danny's been making her way up the three great sl- slave cities of the Gulf of Grief. And okay. uh, we saw her sack, you know, Astapor and yeah. uh, Yunkai. And then she's up to Marine, which is the greatest. It's like the capital slave city, the biggest and baddest. Okay. Holy and, crap, because there were 200,000 in Yunkpor? Yeah, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's it's a big walled city, similar to like Karth and its kind of greatness and how hard it would be to conquer and oh, okay. I like the scene where she's wondering if they're going to be afraid of her, and they basically rolled out the red carpet literally. Uh-huh. Uh, with with ch- and it, that was a, that was a that was a hell of a scene. Um, ch- children's corpses tied with their fingers pointing the way, like, "Come on, this is this, if you want us, come and get us." Like, no, this yeah. isn't they're afraid of her at all. Maybe even slightly more disturbing than when Theon. Uh found those two hanging children's corpses that were burnt to a cinder in Winterfell. Yeah, there a lot 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 of lot of good corpse work this this uh episode. <laughs> corpse work. Nice. Yeah. A lot of good corpsemanship. Uh yep. that's that's kind of all I got to talk about. Uh we'll have plenty more on Tuesday night. You got anything any last words, Jim? Uh no, sorry about my voice. Uh, Before I have you sick. executed. <laughs> that sounded kind of <laughs> ominous. Yeah, please. I I feel like my throat's about to execute me. So yeah, I I apologize. We're gonna be a little late tonight, um, and we're not sounding great because number one, Jim's throat's bad. Number two, uh, we're doing a remote cast. Uh, Jim had a trip to the West Coast to make, and you spilled some shit on your laptop moments before we started casting. So we had to yeah, cobble just... together an emergency casting solution. Um, yeah, but I apologize. Bad news. We usually have it out within an hour. It's going to be probably close, more past hour and a half, two hours tonight. Um, but we will have it out. Uh, we'll be a little bit more timely next week. And uh, we will should have all the stuff worked out for the Tuesday cast. If you'd like to give us feedback, send it into Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. Of course, you can always follow us at bald, uh, uh, follow what we're doing at baldmove.com or check us out on facebook.com slash baldmove or on Twitter at baldmove. 
Yeah, so get your feedback in, and we will see you in two days. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Good night.